0: A young woman's life cut short, a man's obsession turned deadly, and a landmark court ruling that forever changed the relationship between therapists and their patients. Welcome to the chilling tale of Tatiana Tarasov. This narrative revolves around three main characters Tatiana Tarasov, a vibrant young woman who unknowingly became the object of obsession for Prasenjit Potter, a fellow student at the University of California, Berkeley. Potter's obsession would lead him down a dark path ending in a tragic climax that would cost Tatiana her life. In the midst of this unfolding tragedy, we meet Dr. Lawrence Moore, the therapist who identified the rising danger, but was caught in a complex web of professional ethics and responsibility. His actions and inactions would later spark a groundbreaking legal battle, setting a precedent in the field of mental health. But don't be mistaken. This is not just a tale of a failed romance turned deadly. It's a profound exploration into the intricate dynamics between patient confidentiality and duty of care, a story that prompted the question, when does a therapist's duty to their patient end and their obligation to protect others begin? This is not just a story of a tragic murder, but a pivotal moment in the history of patient confidentiality and duty of care. Our story begins on the campus of UC Berkeley, where Tatiana Tarasov first crossed paths with Prosenjit Potar. This encounter sparked an attraction in Potter that would soon morph into an unhealthy obsession. Potter, a student from India, was drawn to Tatiana's vibrant personality and charm, and he didn't hesitate to express his feelings for her, but the feelings weren't mutual. Tatiana, a young woman of Russian descent, was friendly to Potter, but she didn't share his romantic inclinations. This rejection, however, didn't deter Potter. Instead, it fueled his obsession. He became increasingly fixated on Tatiana his thoughts consumed by her. This obsession began to eat away at his mental health, causing him to spiral into a dark place. As Potter's mental health deteriorated, he sought help from Dr. Lawrence Moore, a therapist at the university. During their sessions, Potter confided his obsessive thoughts and feelings for Tatiana. He spoke of his inability to let go, his mind trapped in a loop of rejection and obsession. Dr. Moore, concerned about his patient's mental state, documented Potter's feelings in his notes, noting the potential danger this obsession could pose. It's important to understand that obsessions like Potter's aren't just intense crushes or unrequited love. They can be debilitating, all-consuming, and in some cases dangerous. They can warp reality, create a sense of entitlement, and even lead to harm. And in Potter's case, his obsession with Tatiana was beginning to show these dangerous signs. But unfortunately, Tatiana was oblivious to the growing storm. She continued her life, unaware of the fixation Potter had developed for her. She had no idea that her rejection had not been accepted as final, that it had instead triggered a dangerous obsession. And she certainly had no idea that she had become the object of Potter's relentless unhealthy fixation. Unbeknownst to Tatiana, her polite dismissal had set a dangerous obsession in motion. This obsession would soon cast a dark shadow over both their lives, leading to tragic consequences. As we delve deeper into this story, we'll explore how this obsession escalated and the role it played in the chilling events that were to follow. As Potter's obsession spiraled out of control, he confessed his murderous intentions to his therapist, Dr. Moore. A chilling revelation indeed. Potter was not merely a lovelorn student, but a man teetering on the brink of committing an unthinkable act, an act that would forever alter the lives of the Tarasov family and the course of patient confidentiality laws in the United States. Dr. Moore, as any responsible professional would, took these confessions seriously. Recognizing the gravity of the situation and the imminent danger that Tatiana was in, he did what he was trained to do. He reported the threat to the campus police. His duty as a therapist and a citizen, he felt, was fulfilled. He had flagged the threat, expecting the authorities would take the necessary action. However, the chain of protection snapped at a critical juncture. The campus police upon interviewing Podar decided against detaining him. They deemed him not dangerous enough to be held, a decision that would later prove to be tragically erroneous. But the most alarming oversight, the most critical failure, was the decision not to warn Tatiana or her parents about the threat to her life. In a world where information is power, Tatiana and her parents were left defenseless. They were not informed that a man, who Tatiana had once casually interacted with at a New Year's Eve party was now a ticking time bomb. They were not told that Potter had transformed his unrequited love into a deadly obsession, an obsession that he had openly declared would end in bloodshed. This failure to warn was not a mere oversight. It was a catastrophic lapse in judgment, a breach of trust that would cost Tatiana her life and would shake the very foundations of the healthcare profession. It would raise questions about the responsibility of therapists towards not just their patients, but also towards those who may be harmed by their patients. The Terasov family, oblivious to the impending danger, continued to live their lives as any other family would. Tatiana, a vibrant young woman with dreams and aspirations, was unaware of the shadow that loomed over her. Unbeknownst to her, she was the target of a man driven by an obsession that had spiraled into a murderous intent. Despite the clear and present danger, Tatiana and her parents remained blissfully ignorant of the dark storm brewing. A storm that would soon engulf their lives, leaving them in a state of shock and grief, and sparking a legal battle that would change the course of patient confidentiality laws forever. The failure to warn had dire consequences, as Potter's obsession reached a deadly climax. The day that would forever change the course of mental health practices began like any other. It was a day of normalcy, of everyday life. Yet beneath the calm exterior, a storm was brewing a tempest fueled by an unrequited love that had turned into a deadly obsession. Prasenjit Potter, a seemingly ordinary student at UC Berkeley, was the man at the heart of this storm. He was not, however, a stranger to the mental health professionals at the university. His therapist, Dr. Lawrence Moore, had been privy to his dark thoughts, had heard his venomous intentions towards Tatiana Tarasov. But Tatiana, the object of Potter's obsessive fixation, was left in the dark, completely unaware of the danger she was in. On that fateful day, Potter's obsession tipped over the edge. The storm broke, and Tatiana Tarasov became the tragic casualty of Potter's uncontrollable rage. Tatiana, who had once simply rejected Potter's romantic advances, was now his victim. Her life was abruptly and brutally cut short, leaving behind a grieving family and a stunned community. The aftermath was marked by shock and disbelief. How could this have happened? Why was Tatiana not warned? The questions echoed in the empty halls of the university, in the quiet streets of the community, and in the silent rooms of the court. Potter was soon apprehended and arrested. As he sat in his cell, the magnitude of his actions began to sink in, yet the shockwave of his act had just begun to ripple out, reaching far beyond the confines of his cell, his university, and even his state. In the wake of this senseless tragedy, questions began to emerge about the responsibilities of mental health professionals. Tatiana's death was not just a result of Potter's obsession, but also a consequence of a system that failed to protect her. The questions that emerged from this tragedy would ignite a legal battle that would redefine the responsibilities of therapists and shape the future of mental health practices. The Tarasov family, devastated by their loss, sought justice not only against Potter, but also against the University of California. The Tarasovs were left reeling from the tragic loss of their daughter Tatiana but their grief soon gave way to a determined pursuit for justice. They filed a lawsuit, not just against Prasenjit potter the man who had taken Tatiana's life, but also against the University of California, alleging negligence in their failure to warn Tatiana and her family of the clear and present danger Podar posed. The legal battle was not an easy one. The trial court initially dismissed the case, contending that the university owed no duty of care to Tatiana, because she was not a patient of the university's health services. The Tarasoff family was left in despair, their quest for justice seemingly at an end. But the Tarasoffs were not ready to give up. They appealed against the dismissal, and the case was eventually heard by the California Supreme Court. The Supreme Court trial was a spectacle, attracting attention from far and wide. At the heart of the case was a question that would have far-reaching implications. Do therapists have a duty to warn potential victims if they foresee a danger from their patient? The university's defense rested on the principle of patient confidentiality. They argued that Dr. Moore, Podar's therapist, was bound by the confidentiality of the therapist-patient relationship and could not disclose Podar's intentions to anyone, not even to Tatiana. But the Tarasovs countered this argument, pointing out that the duty of a therapist must extend beyond their patient. They argued that when a therapist has reason to believe that a patient poses a serious risk of harm to a third party, they must take steps to protect or warn the intended victim. The court deliberated over this complex issue, balancing the sanctity of patient confidentiality against the duty of care owed to potential victims. The decision they reached would change the course of mental health law forever. In a landmark ruling, the court decided that therapists do have a duty to warn potential victims of foreseeable danger. This ruling, known as the Tarasoff Rule, was initially met with controversy. Critics argued that it could undermine the therapist-patient relationship, but supporters contended that it was a necessary measure to prevent tragedies like Tatiana's from happening again. Over time, this rule has been adopted by most states in the U.S. and has influenced jurisdictions outside the U.S making it a crucial part of the legacy left behind by Tatiana Tarasoff. The ruling in Tarasoff v. Regents of the University of California sent shockwaves through the field of mental health. It opened up a Pandora's box of ethical and legal dilemmas, blurring the lines between patient confidentiality and public safety. Suddenly, therapists found themselves in a precarious position, tasked with the responsibility of not just treating their patients, but also assessing potential threats they could pose to others. The decision was met with a storm of controversy. Critics argued that it could potentially stifle the therapeutic relationship, making patients less likely to share their thoughts and feelings for fear of their confidentiality being breached. Others, however, saw it as a necessary move to ensure public safety and prevent tragedies like Tatiana Tarasov's from happening again. Despite the controversy, the Tarasov rule was gradually adopted by most states across the United States. The principle that therapists have a duty to protect not just their patients, but also potential victims, became embedded in the fabric of mental health law. This was not just a domestic phenomenon. The Tarasov rule resonated beyond the borders of the United States, influencing jurisdictions in other parts of the world. It sparked a global conversation about the role of mental health professionals in preventing harm. In California, the state where this tragic tale unfolded, the Tarasov rule was codified into law. Therapists in the state are now legally required to protect or warn a third party if they believe or predict that a patient poses a serious risk of harm. This law serves as a constant reminder of the weighty responsibility that mental health professionals carry. The tragic death of Tatiana Tarasoff continues to reverberate in therapy rooms across the globe. It has forever changed the way therapists navigate the delicate balance between confidentiality and duty to protect. While the debate over the ethical implications of the Tarasov rule continues, one thing is certain. The impact of this landmark case is far-reaching, shaping mental health practice and law in ways that continue to evolve. As we reflect on this case, we are left with more questions than answers. The tragic tale of Tatiana Tarasov and Prosenjit Podar presents a complex interplay of emotions, human behavior, and the ethical boundaries of professional responsibility. Why did Prosenjit Potter choose to act on his obsession rather than letting go? Was it a twisted sense of love, an inability to handle rejection, or perhaps a deep-seated mental instability that propelled him towards such a drastic course of action? It's a question that continues to haunt us, and perhaps it's a question that we may never be able to answer fully. However, this case isn't just about Potter's obsession. It's also about the implications of the Tarasoff ruling, a landmark decision that has reshaped the obligations of mental health professionals across the United States and beyond. The ruling underscored the duty of therapists to warn potential victims of foreseeable danger, a duty that goes beyond the confines of the therapist's office, breaking the traditional boundaries of patient confidentiality. But this raises another set of questions. How do we determine what constitutes a foreseeable danger? How do we strike a balance between maintaining patient confidentiality and ensuring public safety? These are not easy questions to answer, and the Tarasoff case brings these dilemmas into sharp focus. The Tarasoff ruling has been both praised and criticized. On one hand, it has been hailed for prioritizing public safety, potentially saving countless lives. On the other hand, critics argue that it infringes on patient privacy and might deter individuals from seeking help for fear of being reported. It's a delicate balancing act, one that continues to challenge mental health professionals in their daily practice. The Tarasoff case is a poignant reminder of the complexities of human behavior and the ethical complexities that mental health professionals grapple with. It's a tale of love turned obsession, of a duty breached and a life tragically cut short. It's a tale that forces us to confront difficult questions about obsession, responsibility, and the delicate balance between individual rights and public safety. So let's ponder on this. What do you think led ProSanjit Potter to take such a drastic step instead of letting go of his obsession? Was it his inability to handle rejection, his mental state or something else entirely? There's no definitive answer, but your thoughts and perspectives are valuable. Share your thoughts in the comments below
1: human mind can trick us into doing and thinking some crazy things. It can create relationships that don't exist and convince us that somebody's wronged us when they wanted nothing to do with us to begin with. This deception can lead to a downward spiral that has unfortunately caused the demise of many victims. Today, we'll talk about an unfortunate case and the failure to protect somebody in obvious danger. Let's talk about the stalking of Tatiana Tarasov. Prosenjit Podar grew up in India, belonging to the low caste known as the Untouchables. While his social life wasn't all that developed, having little to no interaction with Europeans or Americans... He was considered academically gifted and was able to advance to the top of the Indian university system by 1967. At that time, he was seeking a degree in electronics and naval architecture, which brought him to the University of California in Berkeley. In the fall of 1968, Prosenjit met Tatiana in a folk dancing class on campus. Tatiana herself came from a multicultural background and enjoyed spending time with foreign students, so his friendly nature put her at ease. They would dance and talk together, leading Prosenjit to believe that they were in a solid relationship. During that semester, Prosenjit even told his friend Farak Mistri that they were a couple, to which Mistri told him that he should be focusing more on his academic work and less on the girl. He described Prosenjit as socially and sexually naive, perhaps gleaming from the situation that Prosenjit was jumping to conclusions about the alleged relationship with Tatiana. What didn't help was that all the social interaction led the two to sharing a New Year's Eve kiss in an elevator before parting ways for the evening, a gesture that Prosenjit clung to and ran with. For someone who came from an isolated background with little to no experience with the opposite sex, it was easy to see how Prosenjit could confuse the kind gesture for a sign of legitimate relationships. However, upon bringing it up to Tatiana, she explained she was not in fact interested in an intimate relationship, which left Prosenjit confused. When he'd been stewing with the idea of having a girlfriend for so long, he couldn't fathom that it wasn't the truth. What about all these feelings he had? How does he deal with that now? Well, from the history on this channel, not well. Prosenjit began to obsess over the love that never was. He recorded roughly 40 hours of his conversations with Tatiana and would listen back to them all throughout the winter months to determine her true feelings for him. The unhealthy habit began a downward spiral until Brosenjit was having a full-on emotional crisis. Believing that Tatiana's friends were laughing at him behind his back, and that even his own friend Furak was gaining joy out of watching him fail. He's quoted as saying, Even you, mystery, laugh at my state. But I'm an animal. I can do anything. I could kill her. If I killed her, what would you do? When mystery told him that he would tell on Prosinjit, he replied, then I would have to kill you too. So, you know, he was handling it pretty well. The threats didn't end there. When Prosenjit returned to work, he told his co-workers that he was going to blow up Tatiana's house, or perhaps the entire block. Concerning behavior that was perhaps not even lost on the disturbed man, for the summer of 1969, he sought psychiatric help. While Tatiana was away to South America, Prosenjit saw psychiatrist Dr. Stuart Gold about the situation. It didn't take long to diagnose the student with schizophrenia, paranoid type, and ordered a prescription of antipsychotic medication for him. Dr. Gold saw Prosenjit several times that summer, through which he witnessed the student shift from rational to psychotic episodes. Dr. Gold referred Prosenjit to psychologist Dr. Lawrence Moore, to which he explained a plan to end Tatiana's life, but this is where the system began to fail Tatiana. During the summer, Prosenjit became friends with Tatiana's brother Alex. He could appear rational when he wanted to, so the deception was thick in his plan and nobody suspected a thing. In October of nineteen sixty nine, Tatiana returned from her trip. Prosenjit had suddenly stopped seeing his doctors and informed his friend Mystery that he was going to buy a gun. Both doctors knew about his plan to, quote, get even with his lost girlfriend, and yet no one thought to tell Tatiana any of this. The campus police found out about the threats, but when confronting Prosenjit, he denied ever having a weapon and was let off. Even her brother was made aware of the threats, but because Prosenjit held himself so well in public, much like other serial killers, he shrugged off the threats as not dangerous. People were frustratingly lenient with this guy. On October 27th, Prosenjit was a man on a mission. He knew Tatiana was staying at her family home nearby, so he went over, racked with torment, in a mighty need to talk to her. He thought if he could just work out her rejection face-to-face, he could move past this obsession. But, of course, it didn't progress as planned. Upon arrival at 8 a.m. after her father had left for work, he was met with her mother at the door, who told him to go away. He returned home, but wasn't done. Equipping himself with a pellet gun and a knife, he headed back out to try again, later stating that the weapons were for self-defense against her father he returned to her home where he was met with Tatiana at the door. However, instead of the delusionally lovely resolution he was after, she told him again to go away. When he refused, a struggle between the two broke out, and Tatiana screamed, running from the house. Person could have just gone away, but instead he shot the girl with the pellet gun and proceeded to stab her 14 times. He claimed he heard voices in his head that day, and they were not looking for peace. Further injustices would take place when the jury overturned his conviction due to unclear instructions. Tatiana's parents sued Moore and several other employees of the university. Prosenjit was released on the condition that he returned to India, and Tatiana never got justice for her death. This case was a frustrating mess, but from it, as always, comes adjustments to the law to make sure it's avoided in the future. In the case of Tarasov versus Regents of the University of California, the Supreme Court ruled that healthcare professionals not only have a duty to keep their patients safe, but also anyone threatened by that patient. It's an absolute tragedy that so many people failed to keep Tatiana safe, but her case has... Fortunately, kept others safe in the future. Thanks for watching. For more true crime and horror, please consider subscribing. Game with me on Twitch, follow me on Twitter, and as always, be well.
2: The law recognizes that certain confidential relationships are important, and it protects statements made within those relationships—a parishioner confessing to a priest, a client confiding in a lawyer, or a patient revealing embarrassing personal information to a doctor. All may count on their confidential information remaining confidential. But as with most legal principles, confidentiality isn't absolute. The California Supreme Court considered the relationship between doctor-patient confidentiality and tort law's duty requirement in Tarasov v. Regents of the University of California. Tatiana Tarasov attended the University of California with a man named Prozenjit Padar. They met in September 1967 and began dating. But by New Year's Eve, it became clear that Padar was far more serious about their relationship than Tatiana was. Tatiana told him she was dating other men and wasn't going to become intimate or exclusive with Podar. Podar didn't take the rejection well. He became severely depressed and eventually began therapy sessions with Dr. Lawrence Moore, a university hospital psychologist. In August 1969, Podar told Dr. Moore that he was going to kill Tatiana. Dr. Moore determined that Podar should be involuntarily committed to a mental hospital. He asked university police to take Podar into custody. However, when the officers picked him up, they decided that he appeared rational. Padar promised the officers he'd stay away from Tatiana and they released him. Thereafter, Dr. Moore's supervisor, Dr. Harvey Powelson, directed him to cease trying to confine Podar. In October, Podar went to Tatiana's home. There, he stabbed her to death. Tatiana's parents sued the university, claiming that Dr. Moore owed Tatiana or her parents a duty to warn them that Podar was a danger. The Alameda County Superior Court dismissed the Tarasoft's complaint. The California Court of Appeal affirmed,
3: and the Tarasoft's appealed to the California Supreme Court. After this tragedy, we wondered whether psychiatrists in America are required to tell the authorities about patients with troubled mind who have the lives of the public in their hand. Jeff Pegues is looking into this. What you say to your doctor is usually confidential, but 45 states have laws requiring or permitting mental health professionals to disclose if they believe a patient is dangerous. Dr. Robert Klitzman is a professor of psychiatry at Columbia University. There's legal and there's
2: ethics. So legally, right now, I am under no obligation as a physician to tell anyone. Ethically, however, I would argue that if I'm a physician and I know someone may have a plane full of people and crash it, I feel that there may be times when I have an obligation to notify someone.
3: A case 40 years ago shows the danger of a doctor keeping quiet. In 1969, California college student Prasenjit Padar killed a woman he'd met in a dance class. Before the murder, Padar told his therapist about his desire to kill Tatiana Tarasov. The therapist didn't warn the victim. And a court found that he was liable, that in that case he should have violated patient confidentiality. So there's an ethical standard on the
2: one hand and a legal standard on the other.
3: But even reporting is not foolproof. In 2012, after James Holmes shot and killed 12 people in an Aurora, Colorado movie theater... The investigation revealed his psychiatrist had warned police that he was dangerous and homicidal, but it's not clear if anything was done. Some privacy advocates agree that there are cases where warning law enforcement is necessary, but they worry about a chilling effect on patients. Chad Marlow is with the American Civil Liberties Union. You might deter people from seeking mental health services in order to avoid disclosing things they want to keep private. Here in the U.S., the Federal Aviation Administration mandates that airline pilots self-report mental health issues. Scott, the FAA says it's too early to discuss whether the protocols will be strengthened. Jeff Pagay is in the Washington newsroom tonight. Jeff, thanks.